Hello and welcome to Full Send with Christina Kim and Alan Shipnuck. We are delighted to have as a guest today Tiff Joe, who uh, had a great run on the LPGA Tour and has decided to uh, transition into an exciting new part of her life uh, as the head coach of the men's and women's program at Cal State San Marcos. Uh, Tiff, thanks for doing this. Uh, thanks. Um, yeah, I appreciate that you think that I'm ready for a head coaching job. It's actually the assistant coaching job at Cal State San Marcos, but, but thank you. We tried to give you a promotion. <laughs> just accept it. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can just see uh, head coach Greg, like listening to this and being like, wait, what? <laughs> Greg, she's coming for you. Um, so this is, this Friend, is a huge I miss de- you. Sorry to interrupt. I yeah. miss you. And it's only been a few days. I miss you too. So many feelings. <laughs> <laughs> well, right. I mean, so let, let's let's relive your career, Tiffany, because I mean, you've always been one of the most popular players on the LPGA Tour amongst your peers. It, you know, maybe not all the fans were aware of, of uh, what a fun personality you were, but certainly on LPGA, I think you would definitely would have been like the homecoming queen. Um, most, most, you know, voted in all the yearbook polls. Like it, she it, would have been hard... every superlative in the yearbook, yeah. to be honest. I mean, that... Oh, a hundred percent. Like best couple, like <laughs> Tiff Joe and Tiff Joe. <laughs> but I mean, that, it's, a, it's a hard thing for every single athlete is to know when to walk away. So how did you know this was the moment and what, what kind of, what kind of brought you to that point? Yeah. You know, um, I'd been thinking about kind of the next step for the last couple of years. Of course, like COVID happened and I had my own mini existential crisis, like I think 99% of people out there. And that kind of really just sped up the process for me because I think for me, I didn't even realize how much I loved the social aspect of playing on tour. I mean, probably honestly more so than the competition aspect. And um, last year when we were playing in the British Open and I was just in my hotel room and not able to really talk to anyone. and. I was like, man, coming straight off of, you know, staying at home for five, six months and then coming to this, like just just the big difference in, in how I felt. And um, as much as like I am a relatively happy person, that was the closest I'd ever felt to being like, man, I'm not happy. So I think for me, that was kind of like one of the triggers. But I mean, this decision has been a, a pretty long time coming. Yeah, but that said, I mean, how did you know this was the moment? Like, cause there's, as you've seen this in sports many times, people walk away, they come back, they, you know, Brett Favre had like six press conferences announcing his retirement. Like it, this, this is a, this is a challenge. So what, what finally got uh, you this there? This is the moment. Yeah. <laughs> this is the moment because they were like, your job starts next week. And you need to be. <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment it was kind of made for me, but I mean, you know, it, in my mind, I wanted to finish at Dow. I wanted to finish with the partner event, you know, playing with my best friend, Jane Park, obviously that didn't work out. But I mean, at the same time, Toledo was a cool event to end on too, because I've played there, you know, the last 11 years as well. And it's, you know, been such a big supporter of the LPGA tour and it's one of my favorite stops. So yeah, I think that like, in the end, I think I'm going to look back and think, you know, this, everything kind of trickled and happened for a reason um so yeah like i don't think i ever thought like this is the moment the time is now it's happening i think it was more like yeah this is fine <laughs> so christina what what is your best uh tiff joe story <laughs> oh i'm very scared right now <laughs> there are way too many gosh i 
I mean, the number of like flashbacks I have of us where, you know, Tiffany's out there on the put practice putting green and I'm very, very good at being stealthy, even for a big girl. So I would just, you know, she'd be like sitting there, like, I wouldn't say grinding in a way because she always had such amazing hands and, and an incredible touch. So she'd be practicing her putting and then I would just sneak up behind her and just kind of press the entirety of my body completely up against hers um that was sort of like a she weekly thing that. and 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 I love that because I, I obviously I love Tiff and and like I said earlier I already miss you bud but she um she is part of the reason why I've come to realize just how important touch is because like these days I'm like I don't need to touch anything and everything and I think Tiff was one of those people that helped inspire that because she's always like dude how is every inch of my body being pressed up against a piece of flesh? I don't understand this. How, how are you literally enveloping me 360 degrees? And I'm just like, hi, friend. Um, but, you know, one of my favorite memories is just when we were in Malaysia in, I think it was 2014, I want to say. And we had gone from our hotel over to the mall to, to grab some food. And, you know, she was just sitting there in her, in her monkey onesie. And um, we walked by the gap. And it was, it said something, there was a sign that said something along the lines of like, you know, basically it was like, you know, you don't have to dress normally, which is like so comical considering it's like gap. And she just like did this like, you know, beautiful pose up against it. And I got this really cool photograph that um, I, I think I post it every single year, pretty much whenever it comes around her birthday. And it's just, it's, it's one of those things that just helps, just helps remind me of just how important and special everybody is and how unique everyone is. Um, but I mean, we just, we have, honestly, we've got over a decade's worth of great memories and i'm sad now yeah i think i think this sign was like the slogan was something along the lines of the art of normal the art or something of normal, yes. there's <laughs> Joe like slinked up against it oh sorry speaking of monkeys, yeah. sorry buddy tell me about your little friend <laughs> over there oh this is taco he's my little surf monkey um he's actually a piggy bank i got him on a baja surf oh trip, my god but, i love that yeah it really freaks people out. So whenever I'm doing a, any type of like video chat, I'm like, here he is. Here you go. Yeah, no, that, that's <laughs> concerning. Um, you know, some people, their their dream college coaching job would be Oklahoma State or Texas or some landlocked, boring town like that. But you obviously went for a place close to the beach, right? Like that, that must have loomed large in your thinking because we all know you love to surf. Yeah. And, you know, also pretty close to some decent burrito places, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. I think like when this does end up coming out and, you know, like people might question that, you know, it's a division two school, but honestly, junior golfers are so polished nowadays. They're already so good. It doesn't matter if you're division one, division two, division three, like they're all really good. And, you know, at the end of the day, like, I don't think that my um, legacy as a coach is going to be someone that's, taking, you know, an athlete and turning them into a better athlete. I think it's going to be like, I just want you to leave a better human being than you came in. And, and so for me, it, it didn't really matter, like, you know, what the level of competition was, but I mean, honestly, I like look at, so right now I, in San Diego, it's like prime junior golf time. It's like junior world week, you know, there's like us girls junior going on. So everywhere I go, I've been like, trying to get in a little bit of practice, like get, get in some putting and then realizing like, I probably can't be here. Cause like, I don't think I'm like cleared to recruit or anything yet. So I've been like kind of backing up, but 
I like even just glance down the range and I'm like, everyone's good. Everyone's got a beautiful golf swing. <laughs> this is so annoying. <laughs> this is the future of golf. <laughs> well, and not to mention, I, again, I didn't go to college. I turned pro right out of high school, so I don't understand how all of these things work. But who's to say that, you know, by the time you're done over at CSU, would you call it CSUSM? Yep. Wow. Who's to say that CSUSM can't turn into a Division One school? Unless, like, you technically can't. I don't know. But, you know, the, the, the I think that, you know, being presented with a challenge like this, just in, you know, like you said, all these golf swings are so polished. You've got a bunch of kids that are, you know, they're, they're, they probably wouldn't be too far off from being able to turn pro in and of themselves. A number of like 62s and 63s that you see every single week is, is quite irritating considering, you know, like when I was a junior back in the Mesozoic era in the literal previous um, millennium, you know, like when I would, I, you know, I've shot 62 here or there and it was just like one of those things where it was like, that is incredible. Whereas now kids are like, oh, okay. Oh, welcome to the 62 club. There's 87 of us in this field of 88 players. So <laughs> yeah. you were the outlier. What, like it's hard? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, it's going to be awesome because just like you said, you want to really be able to make sure that, you know, just like, you know, one thing I always said, um, and still do is you want to leave the tour in a better place than you found it. And it's the same thing. That's it's, it's what you want to do with these students and, and these junior golfers as they enter adulthood, that you want them to be better people than they came in as. And that's not to say that you're going to pick some, you know, degenerate chain pot smoker, this, that, and then turn them into like a choir boy or will we, but you know, you want to make sure that you can find the right people that you can, you know, they already have that, that great nugget of good that you always have such an amazing job being able to see in people, um, including me. I don't know. I thought those nuggets were all just little poos, but, um, you know, and, and you really do inspire people and you, you make them understand that, Hey, you know what? it's okay to be yourself. Like what the fuck is wrong with being yourself? Like you don't need to, you don't need to sit there in your gap clothes every single day. And if that's not what you want, if that is what you want, that's fucking awesome. But that's not to say you have to. Yeah. And that's, I think something that you're going to do such an amazing job bringing that into uh, CSUSM. I'm going to say CSUSM yeah, all the and, time. Cause. And you know, um, that's probably the biggest piece of advice I've gotten from coaches. Cause you know, I've been definitely, reaching out to all my friends that are in college coaching, like every coach that I've ever worked with, just asking them, like, do you have any advice for me? And that's been the biggest thing. Like, don't try to fit the mold of what you think a coach is. Be yourself and figure out your own values, figure out what's important for you and and make that the backbone of your coaching. And, and that I was actually so glad that I heard that because in my mind, a coach is <laughs> Kurt Russell from the movie Miracle as like, you know, the kids are skating, they're doing suicides and they're like throwing up all over the ice and he's blowing his whistle and he's like, again, and I'm watching that and I'm like, I don't think I have that in me. I think I'd be like, oh, that's okay, guys. Let's go get tacos, you know? And, and I think the great thing is like, I don't have to be, you know, I could figure out my own brand of coaching and, and rely on that. Not to mention that's also combined with like traditional Korean golf parent coaching as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I know my dad was like, Oh, I like this part. <laughs> I love this part of the movie. <laughs> well, so I, uh, I coach JV, uh, high school girls basketball at Carmel high school. And it's like the greatest thing. And... Oh, over at CHS. CHS. <laughs> yeah. Well done. We're going crazy on the acronyms. And, um, it's been so rewarding. And so last 
this the COVID year was, was odd. We combined all the all the different levels into one team. But the year before that was my first year doing it. And so, you know, you have these 13, 14, 15 year old girls and they're into basketball, but they don't I think probably the coaches care a little more than they do. But they're there for the camaraderie and the fun of it. And so one practice kind of late in in preseason after we, we just been practicing and practicing is they showed up at the gym. I had pizza and drinks, no basketballs. And we, um, if you know, if you ever read vanity fair, the back page it's the Proust questionnaire. And it's like these, these questions, like what is your greatest fear and when and where were you happiest and kind of these open-ended things. And we, we sat around the half court circle and, and everyone got an envelope with a question and we all answered them. And there was a lot of laughs. There was a few tears. And at the end of the year, and we had a great season. We won a lot of games and all that. But at the end humble of the year, brag. yeah, humble brag. It's a, it's, a, it's a player's game, you know. They 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 did the work. But without a doubt, that was their favorite night of the whole season. More than any any piece of basketball that they learned, any shot they made, whatever. Like, um, so that was instructive to me. I mean, team building and having fun and creating that that sense of community. That's really what it's about. And. I think we're all pretty competent at the at the X's and O's, and in, in, in your case, the golf swing and the short game. But um, it, it's I, I think that that sense of a team is is really special, and people, it's I think it's not, it's not there as much in everyday life. I mean, everyone's like so busy and so in their own little they're on their phone in their own little world. There's just not as much like human togetherness, and when, when you can do that on, in a team setting, it's really special. So. I have no doubt you'll be great at sort of fostering that fun, nurturing environment, which is, I mean, yeah. that's what it's all about. I think, um, yeah, there was like a, a part of me that was getting almost like pre-first tea jitters, but with coaching, I was like, oh my gosh, like, what if they hate each other? Oh my gosh, what if they hate me? And like in my mind, I think Tina Fey just did like an appearance on Kimmel or something. And she was talking about dealing with uh, like teenage girls. And she's like, you know, when you have a teenage daughter, it's a lot like dealing with like an office crush. You'll like kind of pop your head into their room and be like, the family was gonna, we were all gonna sit down for dinner. No, you're probably busy. You probably have something better to do anyway. <laughs> I was like, I feel like that might be me. <laughs> That's funny. So I actually, I did a story on the, um, you know, the San Jose State coaching staff. It's Dana Dorman, Pat Hurst. Uh, I mean, they're pretty, pretty strong credentials. Uh, it does seem like there's this whole, um, pipeline of uh lpj players who are getting into coaching what is it just because th there's not really a senior tour and but y'all want to stay close to the game i mean what's going on with that dynamic do you think yeah that might be part of it i mean i can't speak for everyone else for me personally i mean college golf was just such a great experience for me um i like to tell people that i peaked in college <laughs> like that's when i just had the best time and and i think i go back to it and I think what really did it for me was like a good solid coaching staff. Um, coach Carrie Forsyth and assistant coach Alicia um, are still there right now. And I mean, I, I feel like they basically made my college experience and, um, and it, it really tells me that it makes a difference when you have like coaches that um, really care about you as a person and, um, and really help you grow. And that's such a, it's such an instrumental time in your development that I was like, I would love to just go back and, and do for other students what they did for me. Not to mention you're nowhere near the age for the senior tour. So that's completely <laughs> inapplicable for you. Yeah, indeed. 
I was actually texting Jim Gormley because I was like sending him swings. My first day of retirement, I was like hitting balls at the range. And I was like, what do you think? And he was like, what, 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 is, what is happening? And I was like, uh, the U.S. Open's going to be at Pebble Beach. I'm going to try to qualify. <laughs> That's awesome. I mean, that, that, that was what I was wondering is if you still plan to make cameos and, um, and, and keep that competitive instinct going. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I mean, even this year, if I have like a spare week where they don't really need me around or they don't want me around, um, I'll definitely try to jump out to a couple tournaments. But I mean, for me right now, though, like the priority is going to be the kids. So if they need me, like I'll be here. But I mean, that's not to say that I'm not just going to like stroll in. <laughs> Everyone's going to be like, Didn't I thought we were done with you. Why are you here? <laughs> well, I'm going to say right here, right now, I fully expect you to be at the Cambia Portland Classic. Because, I mean, they've got amazing food and it's P-Town. I know, the maple bacon. Right? And the shop, right? If you're not there, I don't know what I'm going to do. And that's not to say you can't, like, go recruit during, you know, if you have a morning tea time, you can go recruit in the afternoon somewhere or something like that. Just go swing by a range and just be like, do you play golf? Are you underage? <laughs> All the questions that a child would want to hear at a golf course. <laughs> That that and that along with oh I'm, I think I'm gonna do some recruiting in like Bali and like Costa Rica like I'm sure that'll go really well for my first year on the job. Hey, there is a girl from Costa Rica that made it on the Symmetra tour a couple years ago. Gloria, I forget her last name, but she's from Costa Rica. You know, you, know, you never El know. You're like, what, how was the recruit? I don't think she's a good fit. But the waves are fantastic. <laughs> Guatemala, gotta go to Guatemala for the coffee. That's true. <laughs> What is so just I'm just curious, what is your status as far as getting into LPJ events if, if you want to pick and choose a few? I can answer that. This bitch can get into everything. She can get into anything that she wants to. She still has a pretty damn high priority. Um, so she could enter whatever she wanted to enter. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> well, for this for year, this anyway. Year, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Probably starting next year, my status will not be very good. So. Um, next year is a different story, but yeah, this year, if I want to like go out and play something, I, I probably could more than likely and eat does. I mean, you you know, you were, you were, you were saying it in jest, but there is a recruiting element. Like it's cool if, if, uh, you get a call from a, a college recruiter and then, oh, by the way, she's on your TV the next week playing in an LPGA event. I mean, no doubt that would be impressive to some of these, you know, teenagers, like it gives you a certain amount of, you know credibility and star power right like yeah well it was interesting because when i was talking to greg the head coach he was like well are you gonna at least play like aviara next year because it's like 10 minutes away from campus and i was like uh i was like first of all i don't know if i would even get in and i was like and second of all i don't think you want those kids to see me putting on poana because it's not pretty it's not gonna show them like what a good attitude on the greens looks like <laughs> So, all right, there's been a lot of food talk here. Let, let's, let's just drill down on this topic because it's clearly very important to you. Like, give, give me your, your five best eating towns on LPGA circuit. Portland's got to be up there, Oh, right, yeah, Tina? oh, yeah. Yeah. Because um, you, you like the food truck scene. Like, what is it about Portland exactly? All of it. It's just, um, yeah, the food trucks are awesome, but I think just the variety. Um, it's so like diverse, any type of food that you want to get, like you can get it. So, I mean, I think a lot of those like kind of 
bigger cities that are really multi-ethnic, like LA has great food too. And, you know, anytime we're close to like New York or um, Atlanta had surprisingly really good food when we were there. Um, yeah. I mean, Australia, that's hard work. Australia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Also good coffee. Great coffee. Yeah. I know you're not that I know much about good coffee. I'm like, I'll drink instant or like gas station coffee. Oh, Tina knows yeah, more about that, good that's, coffee. That's a very controversial statement on this podcast because we've spent a significant percentage <laughs> of our minutes talking about Christina's coffee addiction. So, First of all, it's not an addiction because I actually have a very, very high tolerance towards caffeine. I just like good coffee. I will state right now, though, there is a fast food chain who may or may not have golden arches that surprisingly doesn't have vile, it doesn't have vile coffee i will fully it's admit that i don't unfortunately i don't know what the origin of these beans are they're probably made right next to where that like pink goo that turns into like nuggets is but i will say that they do not make horrific don't coffee. nuggets for me <laughs> it's I, I believe it's just a myth to be fair in terms of the pink goo um, have you ever seen Supersize Me, that documentary about McDonald's? I've heard of it for, I guess, maybe now close to decades, uh, over yeah. a decade, but I have not seen it. I, I've, I've, told, I've said this before, I think. I have not watched anything new since March like 12th of 2020. Okay, yeah. This is from like the 90s. It's not exactly yeah. new, but he does, uh, the protagonist of this documentary does break down how a chicken nugget is made. And um, they may have changed their and then practices. He eats they, it for every meal. They may have changed their practices, to be fair. That, that's possible. He eats it for every meal. And then he, and then if they give you, if they say, because I guess as an employee, they're supposed to say, would you like to supersize it? He always says yes. Mm-hmm. So he, basically eats supersized McDonald's meals, three meals a day for what, a month, like a month yeah. or something? He gained like 40 pounds. He's like, <laughs> that is awful. He went, oh full, he went full Bryson. He went the, he went the full Bryson. He did. With none of the muscle. <laughs> I don't um, know. A lot of Bryson, a lot of that just looked like water weight, if you ask me. But whatever. <laughs> he was just binging on the soy sauce, just retain the water. That's going to be me. I'm going to roll up to Atlantic City Fully Joe Shambode. You're going to be like, what happened to her? Well, if you're all puffy and filled with water weight, at least I'll feel like you're you're appropriately hydrated at least. <laughs> so there's that. You have that going you got for you. a feather in your cap there for you. Also, she said Atlantic City, so I fully expect her to be there. You heard it here first. <laughs> That that is like, I mean, I, I haven't, I haven't, I don't know it as intimately as you do, but it seems like that is the most fun week of the whole LPJ schedule. It, that's it's like a nonstop party. What is that hotel there where everyone stays? I stayed there one time. It was, well, uh, yeah. There is a hotel on site at the golf course, but in the back of the range, there are um, basically like Marriott timeshares. And so there's just this whole, I mean, it, it's got to be, a couple hundred two bedroom units where everyone just goes and has like cookouts, get togethers, things like that. People will hop from like one condo to the other. You'll have like, you know, 20 people occupying one building or, you know, 40 people. I don't know exactly how many people like there's, there's, there's a ton of rooms. And so you could just have like quite literally a block party if you want to. It's awesome. It's awesome. Yeah. And Atlantic city is the only tournament pro-am where I've had a group just completely with their tea time because they were so still drunk from the night yeah, before. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and Alan, that's where I talked about where I had my Jay Lindbergh shorts ripped from belly button to ass crack. That was at Atlantic City as well. 
There, there's a lot of yeah strange things happening that week. I actually wanted to do a story one time because I've heard some some very uh, PG thirteen tales about about what, what goes down that entire week. I've never oh, quite not to mention. Done it. Sorry, not to mention in Absecon, which is where the golf course is located, that is the apparent home of the Jersey Devil. And them <laughs> woods back in the back over there, like I could see a devil living there, to be fair. So you should do a little research. You should absolutely come. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so for those of us who don't know about the Jersey Devil, is this a bit of folklore? What are we talking about here? Yes, it is a myth that there was a, back in, I think it was the 1800s, there was a woman who um, uh, uh, did things on, the, she and the devil did things on each other, and then this was the devil spawn of hers, which is half human, half devil. It has these like <laughs> tiny, tiny wings, but can fly and um, sort of haunts the region. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So just standard fairy tale. Yeah, stuff. pretty much. Yeah. It's creepy yeah. as shit if you're driving is, around there Easter late at Bunny. night, though, especially if you're coming from the Santa strip. Love. I cannot wait for the Disney treatment of this story. It's gonna be fantastic. <laughs> the Pixar. <laughs> he'll have these big eyes, and his wings will be all scrawny, and he'll have like a dumpy butt. So yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we've gone off the rails here. So, so let Tiff. Let's look back at your LPGA career here. Like, let, let's celebrate it. Like. Uh, what would you what would you say was your greatest week and why and what if you have any regrets what are they as as you walk away? Um, I honestly can't think of any regrets off the top of my head. No I'm regrets. Sure I have some, but <laughs> not even a letter. Um, but honestly, I think one of my like fondest memories was actually a year that I had to go back to Q school and I ended up clinching my card on the last day and. And Tina and Jane showed up on the last day with like a big box of cupcakes, cupcakes and they just your came ear. up. I remember that. Smashed them <laughs> right into my face. Like I did not get, not a single cupcake was eaten that day, but a lot of it got like up my nose, like in my eyes. But I mean, it was just, it was really cool of them to like drive all the way out and, you know, help me celebrate me getting my status back. But yeah, I mean, weird or not, like, yeah, Q school. That's actually one of my fondest memories. I love that. I love that. Not to mention, it wasn't just Q school. It was Q school in Daytona Beach. Like anybody that's <laughs> been through either Daytona Beach or Q school at Daytona Beach would probably sit there and be like, are you high? You enjoyed that week? You enjoyed that city? You enjoyed period something there? So yeah, I actually remember that day. I got cupcake in your ear. That was one of my proudest moments. Um. Jeez. I mean, what, so what else? Like, what are some other, some other highlights? I, I want to hear these. Um, You're 63 yeah, in know, Scotland. Like, just, um, actually it was a 62. Excuse me. No, Lo siento. Perdón, perdón. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. Like when I go back, it's never, it never has to do with the golf. And maybe that's why it was time for me to step away. But yeah, like none of my highlights are about the golf. They're they're more about these like little moments in between. And even last week I was playing with Jay Marie Green and we were kind of reminiscing about the last time we had played in Toledo together. And hole 14 is that par three and it's typically the caddy race hole there. And she was recalling the last time we played together there, the entire day leading up to 14, she was like, Tiff, let's race, let's race. And you've seen Jay and you've seen me. Like, I'm never going to win that contest. <laughs> 
And so I was playing it down. I was like, nah, nah, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Like, that's stupid or whatever. And right after she hits her tee shot, I, like, reach into her back pocket, grab her glove, and I throw it on the <laughs> ground so I could get, like, a 10-second head start and just start sprinting towards the green. And she's still, like totally annihilates me she's like running backwards for the last 30 yards like that's how much faster she was she had a i had a 10 second head start she ran backwards for the last 30 yards and she still smoked me and uh we got to the green and like our quads were just burning like we were just like useless for the rest of the round but i was like yeah that's that's a pretty funny moment huh like like those are the kinds of moments that i look back i don't even remember if i made the cut that week or if i like what i shot but but those are the kind of moments that really stick with you. That's awesome. I love that. Um, well, you're... okay. So then riffing off of that, this is a question that I want to pose. And you can answer it with in any way that you want, whatever it means to you. Why golf? Oh, boy. Why golf as in why did I play golf? Why golf? Or... <laughs> why golf? Man, because it's anything you want it to exactly. be. Um, I I think one of during my interview for the job, they were asking me like, "How do you motivate people?" And I was like, "What? <laughs> what kind of question is that?" And I was like, and they were like, "How do you motivate yourself?" And I was like, "It changes every day. Like sometimes I'm like, oh, I really want to go out and work on my game, and sometimes it's." This is a new cute outfit that I want to show off, and sometimes it's like because you can only watch so many episodes of Bob Burgers before it gets lies, weird. And lies. Like... <laughs> that is entirely inaccurate. But yeah, I think I was, my answer ended up being like, I don't know how I would motivate people until I meet them. And also like, even from there, like it can change, right? It's, it's almost kind of like when I was explaining surfing to Tino once <laughs> I was like, yeah, surfing's really hard because, you know, it would like, you have to, put so there's so many variables that's changing right it would almost be like teaching your friend how to hit balls but when you take them to the range every time they want to hit one they have to sprint from 40 yards away beat six other people and even then the ball might move like that's kind of like gauging someone's motivation <laughs> you're just there's all these different variables and you just kind of have to like take it day by day and like person by person i love that no that's well said so if you have if you could assign a handicap index to you as a surfer, are you single digits? Are you, are you, a, are you, no, you're like a boat. You're like a bogey surfer. I've watched her surf before. And I would say she's one of those people that claims to be an 11 handicapper and is probably like a sneaky seven because she'll have like a hole or two where she'll just kind of like not really pay attention and just kind of like three putt from like eight feet or something like that. Like that she's, she's one of those. We actually had this, I got, I got, I would, I wouldn't go so far as to say I got mad at Tiffany, but I was actually very, very sad because she and my caddy Todd, who they're like, they're, they're, they, they both love to serve. They both, they're yeah, they're besties. It's so cute. Um, they were talking and Tiff basically says, she was like, yeah, I remember the, 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 the uh, there was this one time Tina came to watch me surf. And, she, and when I was like, so how'd it go? You know, Tina was kind of like, um, you sounded like you were a lot better than you are. And I was like, that is the farthest from the truth. Like, <laughs> and of all people, you said that to Todd. And Todd was like, yeah, I didn't think you could ever be like that much of a bitch, but whoa. And I was like, I didn't think that. No. I think... I think it's a lot of like, like when you're really self-conscious about yourself, 
And I'm actually 100% sure that this is what happened. I think I came out and I was thinking like, oh, like she must think, wow, Tiff loves this so much. She spends so much time. She invests so much time and energy and money into this. Like, I can't believe she puts all that in there. And that's like, that's that's how she serves. That's what, that's what you get. I would honestly say I'm like probably like a mid twenties handicapper, like enough to have fun and like really love it. But like, not really good enough to like turn heads. <laughs> lies, really lies. I watch. will say, well, I have one quick story about that trip where I, I went to watch her surf. She disappeared for like two or three minutes. And I remember because, you know, this is after she had um, undergone all of her treatment for, um, you know, the, the melanoma that she had found in her scalp, which I want to touch up on in a little bit. So she's not like, you know, she's not going to be there in like a string bikini, like, you know, the hanging 10 and doing this and that whatever whatever like with people hoping a titty is going to fly out like she's very smart about her sun protection so she surfs with a bucket hat she surfs with like full rash guard she surfs in her yoga pants she'll surf in a freaking onesie like she's covered because she's smart because you know years of surfing as well as golf had you know sort of led to the melanoma that you know thankfully was caught early on and so she disappeared for a little bit and I was like, okay, well, cause I was on the shore. Cause I, you know, I'm, I'm always going to be like, anyone that's like, you want to go in the water? I'm like, I look enough like a Harbor seal outside of the water. I don't need to help, um, you know, entice sharks even further. And so I was just kind of like, you know, just watching and looking around. I'm just like, where is it? And she had this like, um, sort of like a, there was a turquoise, uh, board, right? And mm -hmm. so I was just like, okay, I'm looking for all these like little things. I'm like, okay, like look for someone that doesn't have a lot of skin showing. Look for the bucket hat because she's pretty far away. And I see a bucket hat, long sleeves, long pants, turquoise board. And so I was like taking video and taking pictures of this and that. And I'm like, after like 15 minutes, I'm it was an -year -old <laughs> I hear Tim behind me. She's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, what in the shit? I'm like, Oh, was I watching the wrong person for the last one? She's like, I've been out of the water for like 10 minutes, dude. What the hell is going on? I was watching this old man. Well, I mean, in fairness, that's her aesthetic, right? Like that, that, that totally checks out. Like, oh. <laughs> I was looking at it. I was like, that, you thought that was me? You thought, you thought me was him? You thought he was me? <laughs> The audacity. <laughs> I don't know. You guys are surfers. Y'all look the same to me. Shit. <laughs> he was, he was, he was doing the surfing good though. So that's another reason why he's I thought it was you. He, he's, he's surfing real, real good. Like Te technical surf terms. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Next podcast. <Exactly. laughs> what's, your, what's your favorite surf spot? Um. So... I don't really gauge good surf spots by the actual quality of the wave. For me, it's it's a couple different things, like proximity to the nearest donut shop for like my post-surf donut, um, or how, how much parallel parking is involved. If there's any parallel parking, I'm out. Um, do I have to go up and down stairs to get to the break? Um, there's like a lot of things. So La Jolla Shores where um, Tino was watching me is actually my favorite place because there's plenty of parking. You could walk right out. It's easy paddle out and um there's like a really good brunch spot down the street so <laughs> i love it i would well okay so let how are is that how you rate golf courses as well like what, what's your favorite golf course then now i'm really curious you know and tina will tell you this i'm not really much of like a 
like a golf course nerd. Like but you're gonna say I'm not really much of a golfer. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I'm not. I mean, by tomorrow I should be like a 17 handicap. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I I really like playing the Portland course. I think it's really pretty with all the trees and stuff. And then there's a lot of like good restaurants there. So <laughs> I would say that's a, a really fun stop for me. But I gotta say like. I love those Lynx courses that we play. And I mean, not that there's good burrito spots there because there aren't. I ordered a take a, like a delivery burrito at the British open last year and it had pickles in it. So they, the burritos are not good. Like I can hundred percent. Honestly, that, that that's on you though. You, you order a burrito in <laughs> Great Britain. You, you deserve, you, yeah, you deserve whatever it comes your way. She was hopeful and excited. But, Come on. You can't automatically dismiss <laughs> a certain cuisine because of the region that it's in. Come on. You never know when you're going to find an amazing gem. That's true. That's true. You never know. If you're going to play the percentages, I think you're more likely to get something gross like a pickle. But um... yeah, I just didn't think like, who's the person that was like, well, I'm going to make a burrito. I'll bet you, I'll bet you they put pickles in there. (laughs) (laughs) Like like they did a, they did a Google search or something like they, they saw the hot. They're like, well, what's in the sandwich? Maybe they ran out of jalapenos. They, they, as I say, they saw the jalapeno in the Google search. They're like, all right, close enough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, you mentioned earlier um, Jane Park is your best friend. And I always think of you two in the same sentence because you're such similar personalities and you're always hanging out. And obviously, Jane is going through a really uh, wrenching time with, with her daughter, Grace, in the hospital. And I saw that you. you went and visited her a few days ago. Can you, can you tell us about, about that time together and just how Jane's hanging in there and, and, and how special it was to have that, that time? Yeah, I think, um, like right now it's like, I'm trying to be ultra sensitive and stuff. And so uh, I feel like a lot of it is like mind reading. Right. So even before I was texting her and I was like, you know, I'm changing my flight anyway. Do you want me to come to Dallas? And, and she was like, well, uh, like, yeah, and no. And she's like, you're not allowed in the hospital, basically. So she was like, it would just be so silly. But what I heard was like, yes, come, you're just not allowed in the hospital. So I was like, well, screw it. I'm just going to show up and like, see what happens. And it ended up being really good because um, I was able to like, pick him up and we were able to go grab some food and then I would drop him back off. And then I would just go hang out at a Starbucks and then pick him up again. And we'd go eat, which is 99% of my relationship with Jane anyway, is like just eating. So Um, It was really nice to be able to kind of like help him get away from everything for a little bit. Um, But yeah, it was like, it it did kind of break my heart a little bit because as I, I was only there for maybe like 12 hours. And as I was leaving, she um, gave me a hug and she's like, oh, like, do you have to go? And I was like, oh, like it just, it like made me break a little bit inside. But um, yeah, like I'm going to try to make it back if I can, but I mean, but at the beginning, I was like, man, I don't know, like, should I go? Should I not go? But I think if you are friends for long enough, like you have enough intuition to know if you're needed or not. And I mean, maybe not needed like in a concrete physical way, but um, like, I think just just seeing her, because I think at the end of the day, when she said like, that would be so silly, she meant like, it would be so silly for you to come all the way over here and not get to spend that much time here. And for me, I ended up saying like, even if I fly all the way over there and it's just to see it for two seconds and give you a hug, like that's worth it for me. And I think that kind of like sealed the deal. So yeah, it's been like, um, it's been really tough, but at the same time, like seeing just like the community come together, like it makes you so thankful that 
the LPGA is what it is. Because, I mean, even going through, like, the GoFundMe, I've been trying to write, like, thank you notes to everyone that's donated something or, like, written a message. And, you know, the people that I'm getting back in touch with are, like, junior golfers from when we were 13, 14 years old, like, old host families. Some of my old host families, like, some of my old pro-am partners, um, the, the support has just been so great. Even some of my, like, random surf buddies, just because they've seen me post so many things about Jane. And I had a friend that I surfed with, and she was... I remember last year she was telling me about her, one of her best friends and she was like, yeah, you know, she's like my Jane Park. And so I think anyone who's friends with me kind of automatically feels like they're friends with Jane by association. Yeah, that's really special. It has been, it has been so gratifying to see the outpouring of love and, and support. And it, I, I think it kind of speaks to what, what you've been saying this whole podcast is it's, it's way more than just golf out there. And it, it really is, I mean, such a cliche, but it does feel, it's like family. You guys spend more time together than, than some people spend with their spouses and all the adventures and misadventures. Like it, um, yeah, it's, it's been kind of heartwarming just, just to see all the love going to Jane and, and Pete and, and Grace and all of that. So that, um, that's really cool. You made the trip though. Um, makes me makes my heart happy to know because i jane is like legitimately like the, one of my favorite people in golf she's just such a sweetheart so she's okay i mean <laughs> relax <Alan. laughs> okay I'm, I'm just i'm exaggerating for the the podcast i don't like her that much either but she's like she's okay she's all right okay actually she can be i was telling some friends that and i'm the same way and jane and i are really similar in this respect that like in secret with our friends, we're actually really hard on each other. We're like total jerks to each other. And um, so Jane and my friend Kat that I surf with um, have been texting a lot because Kat's like kind of in the medical industry here in San Diego. So um, they've been chatting a lot. And <laughs> one of the recent hobbies I've taken up as of yesterday is skateboarding because I've never been able to do it before because I'm so scared of breaking something. But I'm like, eh, no, it doesn't really matter. So Kat actually sent Jane a video of like my first time in like the surfing parking, the beach parking lot, trying to skateboard for the first time. And Jane texted back and she said, you look like an octopus falling out of a tree. <laughs> like way harsh. <laughs> and I'm like, man, I guess that's why we're friends because we both say really mean things to each other like that. Did your first time <laughs> skateboarding, was it, anywhere near as bad as my first time surfing my only time surfing with you i see you oh, too you too and i mean i do participate a little bit in that as well because it's one of those things where it's like i love you enough to go through the effort to find something horrible to say to you if if i don't care about you i'll probably just always be super nice but if i if if you're one of my ride or dies i will find something that will tear at you deep down inside because i love you so I'm more the kind of Do you person mean... that, yes, when I look like kayak boy. <laughs> Do you mean that time that we paddled out, you sat in the channel for 30 minutes and just kept falling off of the board and then we paddled in and got fucked? <laughs> you mean that time? No, why are you sounding like I sat on the board the entire time? The majority of the time was me scrambling to get on the board from the water. I just had this image I like looked over and you were just trying to get back onto the board and your hair was like all in your face you look like you look like the girl from the ring like, just crawling out of the tv and I was like 
Oh boy. I re- we, we should go in. I remember. Well, and I was like, no, 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 no. I'm good. I'm drowning. And I'm like, I'm good, Tiff. You have fun. You have fun. I have this ginormous thing that, you know, makes me look like, you know, an, a, like a literal harbor seal. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Don't worry. You, you have fun. I'm, if I, if I really and- am in trouble, I will scream. And then I remember on the, when we got off the boards, I was like, how, you do this every time you surf. My arms were beyond dead just from paddling. Just from paddling. Well, well, any supportive friend would see Tina in the channel, like, you know, struggling to, like, get back on her board and be like, you know what? Let's just cut this surf session short and go in. I, I was like, no, I'm, I'm going to go over there and catch a couple. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I'm <laughs> next in line. I'll be RB. And I'm like, oh, no, you're good. You're good. You're good. It's all good. No, water's good for I you. Salt. Salt's necessary. <laughs> this, it, we're in paradise. It's Hawaii. We're good. We're good. Yeah. All those kids are screaming, laughing up- at me. No, that's okay. I laugh with them while I'm trying to catch air. I completely ditched her for like 40 minutes and had my own little surf session. And then when I was done, I was like, okay, we can go in. <laughs> She's just struggling in the chair. I found it a wonderful one, a wonderful test in patience to complete affirmation that I am evolved enough to understand that we left the water for a reason. We don't have to go back. And some of us can't go back is probably the better way to put it. And three, you know what? Well, the worst that I've been through, I've been through. And as long as you have something that's buoyant, you ain't going to die. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, your first surfing experience, and then I, you know, I pretty much all of my close friends, I've taken them surfing at one point because it's so near and dear to my heart. It's something I want everyone to experience. And, like, it actually, in comparison to Jane's first surfing experience, when she carbo-loaded for, like, 10 hours <laughs> the night before, I mean, it, like full pans of pizza and like trays of lasagna and then went out and maybe sat in the water for 15 minutes and then was like okay let's go get brunch (laughs) I almost feel like this intro to surfing thing is a little bit of like a personality test right like with Tina I saw like how like tough and gritty she was and something that was like really difficult to pick up and then in Jane I just saw like well this bitch just wants to eat that's all (laughs) she wants to do like she thinks that 20 minutes of surfing like can rationalize like 12 hours of carbo loading and then and then in the same respect when I took Marina out like just the anxiety I saw in her eyes I was like oh yeah this is this all tracks (laughs) plus I was like I don't want to get in the way of you having a good time so no I'll just grin and bear it it's all good and then in that respect the time I took Jihei out surfing at one point and this is actually like a testament to her personality as well. At a certain point, she like got off the surfboard, turned it horizontal and just started using it as a kickboard. And I was like, gee, hey, what are you doing? This is embarrassing. Like, I cannot believe you're doing this in front of other people. And she said, my legs are stronger than my arms. So this just makes more sense. And I was like, that's classic Jihei. She like whatever to get the job done, like whether it like looks weird for a second or whatever, she will find the most efficient and smart way to do. Anything. She's innovative. She is innovative. Yeah, that checks out. I love how you use these as litmus tests. <laughs> exactly. Are there any other players in LPJ who are semi-serious about surfing? Well, Ryan O'Toole is really good. She was actually a surfer before she was a golfer. And I think I remember her telling me that she was like a sponsored surfer when she was younger and she grew up in San Clemente, which is a huge surf town. So I think I would say she's probably hands down the best surfer. But she's a shortboarder um, too, right? That's yes. true. And yeah. so you can tell based um, on her, her personality, much more aggro. 
not in a bad way by any means yeah. just a lot more like go get it room room a little yeah, more it's, frenetic it's a more aggressive style and like you're kind of creating your own power whereas longboarding is kind of more about footwork and like finding the correct part of the wave to be on um but you know mel reed has gotten into surfing and um uh, Sophia Popov and Anne Van Dam have like started getting into surfing. I don't think they're like the type of people like me who will drive like five hours from a tour stop to find a beach and try to paddle out. But um, I mean, they, they like it. Yeah, exactly. Another reason why you have to come to Atlantic City, because then you can go. Uh, where was it? Rock something where they dump all the bodies back in the in the 80s where all the monsters used to do it up in New York. Rockaway? You're making me sound so irresponsible. <laughs> no, it, it shows your passion and your desire to do things like that. It was where... I think the longest I've ever driven is four hours. Well, so, okay, well, that, that then in that case, what's the farthest you've ever traveled, though? Um, to go uh-huh. surfing? Oh, gosh. I mean... <laughs> Was it or I, wasn't it I would say... a country that had like the military junta occupying some of the islands in the country? Oh, oh! When I was going to go to the Philippines in between those two uh-huh. events, and that's when all that stuff was happening. And yeah, it was fine. <laughs> I, I'm still here. <laughs> but I mean, I feel like I'm one of those people that I, I'll never. I mean, not never. I still do surf trips, but it's really hard. For me to rationalize like flying all the way somewhere and like just surfing so i'll try to like plug it into like a golf thing so when olafia had her little iceland pro-am i was like yeah i'll play and she's like oh it doesn't really pay anything and i was like that's fine i'll just like do a surf trip <laughs> <laughs> like i think i just find little ways to kind of squeeze it in because at the end of the day i love surfing but i can't do it all day like i'm someone that gets it done and then i i like to go do something else so as much as I say, yeah, it'd be so great to like live in Costa Rica. Like, I don't think I could actually do that. I still like my like amenities. <laughs> Have you surfed down in, in Tamarindo in Costa Rica? No, the place I always go to in Costa Rica is Playa Guiones, which isn't far. I, I do remember driving past Tamarindo, yeah. um, but I would love to go there someday. I was sure. doing a story on the Latino America tour and, um, one of the guys, um, Brad Geld, he's a surfer, and so I went with him just to check it out in and, and Tamarindo, and it was the most beautiful beach, the most perfect waves. It was all these really cute girls out there surfing. I was like, man, in my next life, I'm definitely going to be a surfer who lives in Tamarindo, Costa Rica, because it just, it was a <laughs> whole scene there that I just stumbled upon. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I was just curious, because that, that made an impression on me, to say the least. Yeah, it's definitely a very famous, like, well-known surf town that I know a lot of people go to. But, you know, it's interesting because now those, like, surf towns in Costa Rica are becoming more and more heavy with expats. So you go there and, like, there's a part of me that's like, wow, this is so beautiful and I would love to live here. And then there's another part of me that's like, wow, this is really busy. Like, this is because it can actually be a bit of a party town as well because there's so many, like, Americans and Canadians that like go down there just to surf and then in the evening they can't surf so they just go and party. Yeah, interesting. You have to find the next Tamarindo, you know, it's just emergent. Right. <laughs> Tamarindo. <laughs> These kids are going to hate my puns. What is a podcast without a Tiffany Joe pun? <laughs> I think they'll I think they'll enjoy your puns. Some of them have t-shirt possibilities in fact. So well, I remember um, my coach, Carrie Forsyth, 
whenever we played in a tournament and she'd be walking with me if I missed a green she would do this thing that at the time I thought was so lame but now I think is so funny but every time I missed a green as I'd walk up she'd be like paging Dr. Chapinski please report to the seventh green oh my god <laughs> and at the time I would just roll my eyes and be like you are so dumb but now I'm like I'm totally gonna do that <laughs> telling dad jokes way back in the day so far ahead of our time right yeah that that might steal that too actually i like that <laughs> well what else what else have we not talked about here let's see mm-hmm. i don't know like i feel like tina just has so much ammo I'm like very nervous. I'm just sitting back here <laughs> quietly waiting for the right moment. No, no. I think that, um, you know, Alan, I think you hit a lot of the, uh, the questions that people would have had that are pressing for, you know, what makes Tiff click. And, you know, I liked asking the why golf. I, I think that, um, I think we've pretty much hit everything that we'd want to hit, you know, and, and because of the different personalities, yes, we've only been doing this episode for 52 minutes, but with the cadence of our speech, we've probably gotten in much more than any other guest ever will. Um, oh, Tiff, what's going on with the uke or, or your singing or anything like that? I mean, there's so many things about you that everybody wants to know about, like how's your musicality? these days um yeah it's interesting because i go through like phases where i'll play the guitar like every single day for a month and then i'll just put it away and not even look at it for like a year um but yeah i mean so right now not not really that much like i've just been kind of getting really into the surfing thing but yeah like you never know i might get back into it might i so i think tina knows the story but i um I really love learning new instruments and there was actually one pro-am, one particular pro-am party and it was an off-site pro-am. It wasn't during a tournament, thank God. But I had, I overindulged on the open bar and I woke up the next morning and I had like at some point gotten on Amazon and ordered a clarinet because I guess at some point I was thinking like, man, this live band is insane, but you know, it would really put it over the top is a clarinet player. And so I got really like just fixated on like this idea of playing the clarinet. And um, the next day, you know, I had to play the pro-am with the pro-am partners that I'd been sitting at the table with. And I was like, it is so weird. I like just got an, like an Amazon confirmation for a clarinet. And he was like, oh yeah. One of the guys goes, you would not shut up about the clarinet <laughs> last night. And so I got home and I was like, man, I called up Amazon and before I hadn't bought a ton of things off of Amazon. So I didn't really understand like how great their return policy was, but I contacted the service sales representative and I was like, this, this is what happened. I got a little drunk. I ordered this clarinet and they were like, Oh, like, don't worry about it. When you get home, just send it back. We'll refund you your money. And I remember getting home and seeing the clarinet and being like, I don't not want to learn the clarinet and so i ended up going back on amazon and like ordering a couple books on how to play the clarinet so that's that might be my next thing because i'll tell you what i think when you're used to only having five or six days at home and you love surfing you end up trying to like squeeze in as many surf sessions as you can so in the last three days i've probably squeezed in like like six surf sessions not realizing like i'm actually going to be home for a really long time and (laughs) my friend Cat, but she's basically like the Jane Park of my surfing. Like she's my best friend that I surf with all the time. And 
she was like, you know, when you're home for five or six days at a time, like I can keep up, I can do this. And then when you finally fly out, my body's like, thank God I can get a little bit of a break. And she was like, this is not sustainable. Like you've surfed six times in three days and you're going to be home for a long time. So you need to find something else. So I was kind of thinking maybe I, maybe I just brush up on my clarinet again. (laughs) I love that. Okay. Squidward. (laughs) Well, I cannot wait to see the next viral video that you post with you playing the clarinet. It'll be like Ron Burgundy with the yes. Oh, see, I thought it was going to be the, like I, I, I thought it was going to be like when you did your um, uh, when you were five years old and you did your little concert, your piano concert, and your parents were like, "Don't do oh, this and goodness. don't do this," and those are like the only two things that you did. The most, the most awkward post recital bow, like. It really gives you a window into how truly awkward I am as a person. It's like, we're pants, but hair, no, pockets. I don't have any pockets. I'm wearing a dress. Well, we've all been there. Who knows? Executing a good bow is, is not easy. And um, maybe we should take a bow on this podcast. You know, oh, Christina? I'm going to interrupt, Alan. I'm so sorry. I posed this question to Angel. So I want this to be one of our recurring oh uh, themes as well. Oh, good. Tiff, I love it. What is the most embarrassing moment you've had at a golf course? A most embarrassing moment. I mean, I've had a lot, <laughs> so that's tough. I would say like in college, I showed up to a tournament to like the first round wearing my sport, like completely backwards, which is ridiculous. Like there's so much room where like the butt should be. I should have noticed like right when I got into the car. <laughs> I remember Sydney Michaels and I were like getting ready to tee off and she was like, yeah, just like put it in your back pocket. And I was like, it's so weird. How come I am the only one who scored does not have a back pocket? And I was like, it's usually right here. And Sid just looked at me and she goes, oh my God. And she's like, your skirt is on backwards and so your back pocket is like on your front left. And I had to like, go into the trees really quick and, and change it. But I mean, I've had, I feel like I have an embarrassing moment, like at least once a week. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Well, thank you for sharing that one with me. I would sit there and say, if I were in your current, if I was in that situation, it probably would have taken me longer to find out that I was wearing my skirt backwards because I, I, I'm always sporting a fupa. So <laughs> it wouldn't have been as roomy up front. Mm, sexy. Oh, yeah, that's me. <laughs> you get it, girl. You get in there. <laughs> okay, we've got to end this podcast now. Like. <laughs> oh, well, Tiff, I, I, I can say on behalf of everyone listening, thank you for being our guest and thank you for sharing your stories with us. And personally, thank you for sharing your career with me. It's been so awesome to be able to watch you and play rounds of golf with you and go eat so many burritos and pho and nearly die around you. Oh, remember in China when I choked on that piece of steak and you, Michelle, Jane, I sat there and because I was choking on a piece of steak, I couldn't say anything. And so I was pointing to my throat and like slamming on the table and all of you just flapped your arms like you were a 
coop full of chickens trying to take flight and were just like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And so I basically had to give myself the Heimlich. That didn't work. And so I just used my determination and grit and just kept swallowing until that like nine ounce piece of steak that I stupidly put in my own mouth finally went down my throat. Remember that? Alan, is this the last time you're ever going to have one of Tina's close friends? <laughs> I was just thinking, like, I've almost died with you a couple so of times. Sorry. No, this is awesome. <laughs> so you, and well, you, you've been there for me through so many of my ups and downs, and you've always been an amazing friend. Even when I've been going through stuff with some of the other people in our friend group, you, you were always able to help me see from their point of view. You've always been able to, you know, not you've you've always been great at never choosing sides which is awesome because you just you love everybody well no you like a lot of people i would say you don't love anybody you know but you know you you you're well i love you that's why <laughs> you, oh i get it okay you love me you just don't like me all the time <laughs> that's that's real love i would say Absolutely. that's real love that's like family that was um, inferred but, yeah yeah but you know you've always been a part of my heart and um I still remember when you, uh, I was one of the first, I'm going to guess hundred people that you called when you got your melanoma. Um, and I just remember thinking like, what can I do? Should I fly over and help you? But what the, like legitimately, what the fuck do I do? Like I, I was, it was, it was very touching. So I just want to say that I, I'm so excited for this next chapter of your life. I still plan fully to see your ass over in Atlantic city, hopefully in Portland as well, but no pressure. No pressure, um, but well, thank you. Oh, buddy, I I love you and and I like you. So, friend, yeah, there you friend. go. We've got it. We've got it recorded, so I can always. Alan, Alan's like, <laughs> <laughs> no, this is all. It's very sweet. I'm happy I can be part of this love fest. It's sweet. No, Alan's like, oh my god, Tina really does have friends. That's so sweet. I, I'm, your, I'm your friend. We can say friend. We can say friend. Not plural just yet. <laughs> um, but no, thank you, Tiff. Thank you. Oh, thanks yeah. for having me, guys. This is super And fun. honestly, I'm now a huge fan of Cal State S&M. So, um, <laughs> whoa, 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 what? <laughs> it's CSUSM. Okay, get it right. Oh you got to get the N in there. S and M? No, was, no. Okay, never mind. No. But... Wow. We we certainly wish you the best of luck and our interest in Division Two college golf has gone way up. So um this is it's great stuff. I mean it uh I think you're gonna you're gonna be fantastic. And Greg, you should be worried about your job security. She's coming for it. I wasn't kidding. Yeah, watch your shit, Greg. Oh my God. Watch your shit. No, I don't want any responsibility. <laughs> don't give me any responsibility, please. I just want to hand out snacks and like high five girls. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, Christina, you want to like, you know, slam the door here? Yeah. So as I say every week, be sure to subscribe, tell all your friends, rate and review this podcast. And until then, we will see you next week on the next episode of Full Send with Christina Kim. And Alan Shipnut. It's a wrap. Bye.